Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Modern Mind with today's guest, Zach Pogrob, who's the man behind Behavior Hacks, which is a fantastic resource that has blown up on Instagram for providing animations and insights around stoic quotes, motivation, obsession, and ways in which you can improve your day-to-day and reframe things for success. We explore the concept of obsession in some detail, try and determine the difference between a healthy obsession and an unhealthy one, why it's valuable for us each to be obsessed with things in the modern world. We deep dive on the concept of the athlete, artist, entrepreneur narrative that he has been discussing recently. I said entrepreneur weirdly there. Athlete, artist, entrepreneur. There we go. That was more convincing. We discussed that. Anyway, pronunciation aside, we, we deep dive on that because it's something that I feel some affinity to, loosely speaking, but Zach has a lot of insights and reflections on. We explore his perspective on the obsession arc, which is a narrative that he is going to pull the thread on a little bit going into 2024. But ultimately, a lot of this discussion is focused around Zach's self-discovery mechanism this year, which has been running. Obviously something I have a lot of insight into, but using his background as a writer through the mechanism of running, it's really fascinating to hear his perspective. Before we go any further, it's important to request a few housekeeping items from you, if you don't mind. Please do rate and or review the show on whatever platform you're listening on. Share this episode or an episode previously with a friend. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and sign up to the mailing list via the show notes down below. Thank you very much. Before we dive into today's conversation, it is important to mention the show's sponsors, as without them, there would be no show. First up, we have Vivo Barefoot, who I've been wearing since January 2019, and you won't really catch me in anything else day to day. I'm I'm kind of morphing into a cartoon character at this point because I'm in the Novus pretty much every day. And whilst I do have a wide array of other options available at the house, because Vivo covers you across pretty much every setting that you could imagine, I've just really chosen the Novus as my weapon of choice day to day. So much so that I've actually stockpiled for the future, as I love them that much. All Vivos are wide, thin, and flexible, and have an open toe box as well as being zero drop, which is much more akin to being, you guessed it, barefoot. And this means that you can build your foot strength from the ground upwards. Study from the University of Liverpool in 2021 has indicated that you can improve your foot strength by up to 60% simply by wearing a pair of Vivos day to day. So if you want to be jacked and tan in your day-to-day life and apply your feet to that equation, then Vivos are the way to go. Generally speaking, my feet feel stronger, more robust, and I feel more in control of how I'm moving, running, and I'm just more comfortable on a day-to-day basis in them. And if you want to give them a go, you can use the code FERGUS20 until the end of 2023 to get 20% off. And if you're listening after that, then sorry, Fergus Vivo will have to do as it will get you 15% off. Please do let me know how you get on over social media as well, as I would love to hear how much you love them. Next up, we have Days Brewing, whose alcohol-free lager and pale ale are brewed just down the road from me in East Lothian, but sold nationwide. And I like to keep a fully stocked fridge, because when I'm craving a beer at the end of a stressful day, or at the end of a long week, or maybe with a, a takeaway on a Saturday night after a big training session, dare I say, when I'm inclined to reach for a beer, and there aren't any, but there is an alcohol-free one, I can have all of the ceremony of a beer, all of the ceremony of a pint, all of the enjoyment of a pint without any of the downsides, because it really doesn't take much alcohol for me these days for my cognitive ability, sleep, and therefore overall recovery to be affected. So simply by giving myself access to icy cold days lager or pale ale, I am making sure that whenever I have that sort of inclination, I can just have an alcohol-free one, 
enjoy myself, get all that I want out of it without any of the downsides. That's not to say that I won't have an alcoholic beverage or or several every once in a while. It's coming up to Christmas time, which means that that'll be a bit more common. But generally speaking, day to day, week to week, I like to really minimize my alcohol intake for the sake of overall productivity, cognitive ability, sleep and recovery. So if you'd like to do the same, then you can save yourself 20% off with the code MODERNMIND20 at checkout. And again, do please let me know how you get on over social media. Anyway, without any further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Zach, what are you currently obsessed with? Running. Easy, instant answer. Why has it become an obsession for you? I started running more this year. Kind of like, I feel like a lot of runners, you don't really, that get really into it. It doesn't really happen consciously, right? You just, you go for one run. Like early this year, I was I was super slow and pretty heavy. I was probably like touching 230 pounds and, you know, nine minute pace, eight minute pace. But then you get more and more into it. And then this fall, my friend uh, Danny Miranda tells me he's doing a marathon in December. Didn't sign up for it yet. But I'm like, I started going longer distance, started doing 10 miles, started doing 13 miles. And then the moment I signed up for the marathon, which was only about a month out, October 27th, and the race was December 2nd. When I signed up for it, boom, it was like instantly completely obsessed, watching running videos nonstop, learning everything, because you know, it's so much to learn, all the nutrition, yeah. all the, all the, um, and that's kind of how it happened. And now that I just did the race last week, now I feel like it's an entire new world that I can't escape from, which is like a sick feeling. I think the the real turning point there is the skin in the game moment where yeah. you've, you've signed up. That yeah. changes everything because you can talk about it and say, oh, I might do an Ironman next year. I might do this. I might do that. But until you've actually paid, made the date, you can put it in your calendar and you think, oh, shit, 107 days to go. That just makes the obsession begin or you realize you made a mistake. But I've never met anyone that's thought, you know what, this was a mistake unless it's just something that they can't manage within the circumstances. But the beauty is manipulating the circumstances to make it work because you've gone through an evolution in your presence online, haven't you? Whereby your background is effectively as as a writer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what you write about, the mechanism for it in the real world has become running. Am I right in saying? 100%. 100%. What are the, the biggest lessons you've learned in the short term that you think are most general from committing to something that scares you and seeing it through? Yeah, I mean, I think commitment breeds obsession, right? Like when I started the content, which was almost five years ago now on Instagram, that's kind of how it happened. I just one day just like sat down and realized I was going to do this every day. I was going to post something every day. And there was no time limit. That was the commitment though. And when that happened, it just took over my world, kind of like what's happening now with the running. And, you know, I was studying, you know, how to make the post and, and what posts to make and, and uh, you know, how to grow, how to like engage with other people, you know, the whole thing. And, and so that's like a big piece of it. It's just like commitment breeds obsession. And so I think often you could have this thing that you absolutely love, but you just haven't given yourself the forcing function for it. And, and there's a thin line there where it's like, you can't force obsession. Obsession should be natural. It should, you should force yourself to stop your obsession, right? But I, I do think sometimes you need this like trigger to allow yourself to be completely engrossed in this world. And, and so, so that's like the big piece, I think, commitment. Commit to something and see what happens whether that's a race or whether that's, you know, a cadence with, you know, your art, your, your, your craft. The other piece has just been, I mean, this is like when I'm writing those posts, right. The ones that do really well, 
it's literally like me on, and to be fair, I've only really started running this year. So I'm like excited for how these posts turn out. But like, it's like me mile 10 into a workout, pushing like 180 heart rate, 190. I don't really get up there, but like 180 heart rate. And it's like the thoughts I have then just remembering like pieces of that and, and sharing them. And so it's like pushing yourself into that state, I think is, is something most people don't do. And, and it lets you hear and become a different version of yourself in a, in a very true way. Um, and I was missing that so much in my life. You know, I can remember like two months ago, one of the first like really hard workouts I did running on the West Side Highway, where, where you'll be tomorrow. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I've, heard of, I've heard a lot of good things, and I've heard the East is going to be very disappointing, and the West is going to be. Brilliant. I barely ran on the East. Okay. So, okay. To be fair, I can't. The bottom's nice of the East, but anyway, I remember one of my first workouts there, just going completely madman and madman mode. It's like what I call it, and just screaming at myself out loud to go faster. And I went faster than I ever went. And like, I left that workout a new person. Um, so yeah, those are the two takeaways, like commitment and just like pushing yourself into that state allows you to, to feel and see different things. And those, those things aren't exclusive to running. I mean, that's the key thing no. as well, because it, it, you, you, you're, you're making a commitment to allowing yourself to be backed into a corner and you sort of need to put your fists up and figure out how to get through it, whether that's in a workout, whether that's in a business setting, whether it's in a financial setting, because if you just put all of your money into one thing, and you're like, fuck, I hope this works. It's, it's feeling that pressure and coming through the other side, having learned some lessons along the way. And that's why I think you're in a very privileged position to be able to articulate your thoughts from a running point of view with the background that you've got in writing and the content side of things and delivering things simply for people to be able to now articulate why running is such a valuable mechanism for people to capitalize on the low-hanging fruits that come from just committing to something that's scary. So you started talking about the concept of the dark place, which is what I'm assuming Madman Mode led to. Correct. <laughs> so just talk us through your experience with that so far, because I think it's a concept I'm very, very familiar with over the years, but I don't necessarily have the ability to articulate it in text in the way that you would because that's not my craft which will be a, a discussion we'll come on to later but the dark place what is it to yeah, you i'm sure you could articulate it because you go there in ways many people don't but uh yeah it's i think out of all like i'm, I'm very obsessed with terms right like my, my mission in life is basically just to own the word obsession and help spread that to the world kind of like you have discipline passion right but anyway i think the dark place might be the most imp important term i ever like make because it is literally, I've been saying that word for years, like that phrase, which isn't really mine. It, people, people often say a dark place. I kind of coin it as the, and it applies to a lot of things. It, it obviously, it's that moment in the workout where you are dying, you are surrounded by demons, you are, you know, pushing yourself somewhere you've never been, right? Like I, you could paint the imagery a million ways. There's that part of it. It could be, you know, the year of your life after a breakup where you're lost and you're overweight and you don't know what to do with your life. That's definitely a dark place. It could be, you know, I've had a few in my life. One was um, after the after I stopped playing college soccer, I was in a dark place for a little bit. I didn't know what to do with my life. I just, you know, I spent decades or two, almost two decades playing soccer. And now I had this whole, uh, you know, I had to create a new identity for myself. Um, you know, so you know the dark place when you're in it. And the reason it's the most important is because you kind of have to go through that to, I think, reach extreme greatness. I think you look at the people at the pinnacle of their craft and it's, it's very rare to find someone who didn't go through one or multiple dark places, right? Um, and yeah, so that's what it is. I think it's like, like I look back on the run and 
the marathon I just did. And like, it was the best dark place in my life. Like, all I want to do is go back. Like, I heard you get depressed after races sometimes. Is that true? Uh, the- yeah, I wouldn't. I call it the post-event blues or like yeah. a come down. Yeah. Because I think it, it, it it's very, having been sort of clinically depressed myself in my own dark place years ago, yeah. I, I sort of know what one, one is, one is a response and one is a state of being where I view a state of depression as a state of being, whereas the post-event blues being a sort of response to the hard work mm. and spike of effort. Because natural. Com- yeah, commitment is build, 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 huge peak. And then the worldview existence, the day-to-day that you've been operating on for that period of commitment, is it served its purpose, it's done. But you've got used to operating like that, which means that all of a sudden you just completely change your environment and we all know how much environment can manipulate how we feel. So yeah. I, I've I've suffered big, big, big bouts of post-event blues that as much as I feel I'm well-equipped to deal with them, the bottom line is I just need to sort of wait it out. There'll be good days, there'll be bad days, and I often try and get my teeth stuck into something from a business point of view, try and jump into a new training goal, but actually it's a good time to sort of just rest and quite literally recover psychologically and physically. The biggest one, the double Ironman, the double brutal I did last last year in September 2022 was, yeah, it took me until about January, February to really like feel like myself again. And I, I did the, the reason that I did the Goggins four by four by, I did it I saw by that. 96. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> so four miles every four hours for four days, just because I thought, you know what, four, there's lots of fours there, that feels neat. And part and parcel of doing that was because I kind of needed to prove to myself that I could still do hard stuff because I hadn't been doing anything that was anywhere near the level of the double for three or four months. So I didn't feel like myself. And I kind of did it. I was like, that honestly wasn't that bad. And that kind of gave me the confidence to be like, okay, you've still got this ability. You've just been in a period of dealing with the come down effect of that big spike of commitment. And then from there, I've sort of been able to manage it better this year. But I know what I'm training for now, March 250K in one go, there's going to be a couple of months where I'm going to really struggle with the recovery of it because you get so obsessed with what you're doing, but you put yourself in a position where you actually can't execute it to the level that you want to because you've, you're quite literally reaping the fruits of your labor, which is a good thing. So it's it's about how you frame that 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 time period and that opportunity. Do you allocate a little bit more time to certain things from a business point of view, from a craft point of view, and just look at things objectively? Because you can't. I I, I personally don't think that you can just will your way out of it. Do you always have something next though? Like, is it rare? Basically, G- generally speaking, but I think yeah. realistically, last year was sort of a real spike for me where I it yeah. was unhealth. My prep was unhealthy alongside yeah. managing the businesses, personal life, yeah. and everything. It was at points unhealthy. And getting to the start line was as much a victory as getting to the finish line was. Yeah. So I didn't, I had things that I were next, that, that, that were planned next, but they weren't, they weren't obsessive for me. Mm. They were just, they were in the notes. And I thought I'll go for that, but yeah. I didn't have the same get up and this is my mission in life, which meant that I didn't care about it as much as I did, which meant that it was harder to work against the post-event blues. So question back to you is how are you coping with the post-marathon for, first? Because it's been, it's been, it's not been that, quick it's not been that long a process from sort of starting this journey to to complete the marathon and here you are out the back end hungry and dehydrated as we discussed before we got started <laughs> and like starving well i was like hungry this morning um you know yeah it hasn't that's why i'm like hesitant to like i sound too like cocky or like confident because like i haven't been doing this that long and i mean i signed up for my next one like basically right after yeah so that'll be february 18th in austin yeah um I which, guess is quite, which is quite soon 
and the yeah, things. Yeah. I just feel like the progress I made since I took it seriously was so insane that two months from now I could make hopefully just as insane progress or just, you know, great progress. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I wish it was sooner, but it's, <laughs> but it'll be a good amount of time to like get a proper, I really want to get a proper coach, get a proper plan and, you know, push as hard as I can. Um, so I guess that's, I mean, yeah, it's interesting, right? Like I think uh, Huberman says how it's like the dopamine you get on the way up, you're going to get the same coming down. Yeah. So it's like, that's like the neurological reason because like that dopamine high I had during the end of that run was like nothing I ever felt. Yeah. Same for you and your stuff, I'm sure. And so, yeah, I don't know. I definitely need to take a few weeks and, you know, figure out because I am very, when I talk about obsession, like literally the last month and a half, all I did was think about running. And and that has a downsides where like I have to figure out you know some business stuff some content stuff like that needs some attention. Um, how I'm coping though is, I don't know I'm just so happy I feel like I have this new thing now which I didn't have before like I wasn't really I worked out the last few years so I lifted but like I wouldn't call myself I wouldn't really call myself an athlete you know wasn't training for anything wasn't in great shape yeah so it's like I have this new thing that every day I'm excited to wake up and learn more about and there's there's so much to learn. I think that's the value of performance metrics as well yeah. over just sort of traditional bodybuilding fitness aesthetic yeah. based metrics is that it's so measurable and you can actually really track where input equals output and i think that makes it so rewarding for an obsession journey because you have a ever-increasing stack of proof that the difficulty that you willingly is what's worth saying go through each and every day to get to the end goal equals what you wanted it to which is very reassuring when you wake up one morning and you think oh, pretty horrible weather outside i don't really want to be doing this and then you do it yeah and nine times out of ten in fact 99 times out of 100 you'll get back in through the door and be like i'm very glad that i did that correct the the one in the hundred might be i don't know you might have slipped on some ice or something <laughs> but that, that, that in can new york happen. you gotta watch out tomorrow my buddy hunter before the new york city marathon stepped on a stepped on a glass bottle okay he was fine okay but just keep that in mind i'll keep that in mind especially I, the east side like, yeah. <laughs> i was like a watch crew like looking in front of you yeah but just binoculars yeah you scouting things out that can happen yeah it happened to me yesterday okay we'll have a look it'll be good it'll be good yeah it'll be good now, well you know what i want to experience new york in, yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. in, a, in a weird and wonderful yeah, way yeah. so if i step on glass bottles or the piers are good you'll be good around it'll be good. yeah i'm looking for i'm very much looking forward to the west coast highway because i've heard again like it, it'll be a collection of people on a saturday that are it's out. Like, actually no it's winter it be I, they'll be out following what they're training for their obsession it's just good to be in amongst those people especially in a setting where it's flat ground. I guarantee I'll be seeing people bursting themselves on intervals or some sort of tempo Correct. stuff. It's flat. Uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be good fun. It'll be good fun. But a lot of what you just mentioned there ties neatly into the concept of the artist, athlete, entrepreneur narrative that you're really, you, you, you're pulling the thread on at the mm -hmm. moment online, aren't you? And I think when I saw that, that was something I really connected with because I would in no way call myself an artist. But from a creative point of view, I have a, the three pillars of my life are creative output in terms of, of content, the business side of things, which is all consuming day to day, and then the athlete side of things, which is probably the most the most obvious one. And those three pillars could not move forward with the obsession that I have for all three of them if all three pillars weren't present simultaneously. Correct. I would not enjoy my day to day life if I was just an athlete. I would be bored and unstimulated with some things if I wasn't if I was just put in front of a camera day to day and didn't have any sort of creative output on what the process was, then I would lose the obsession with that side of things. If I didn't have the businesses, then a lot of the bigger picture impact side of things that I want to achieve with them in the long term, I couldn't 
feed into from the creative side of things, from the athlete side of things, because they're all in the same ecosystem. And those three components for me are sort of what really underpin my mission and obsession day to day in life. So as you've started exploring that as a narrative, what have been your, your key findings and why do you think it's got legs? Yeah, I think it's, it's great. Like I, a lot of people really resonate with that even more than obsession, which is interesting because obsession kind of turns pe some people off, yep. right? As yep. like negative and they, they, takes a while to see the positive, but artist, athlete, entrepreneur, it's like, oh, that's me, or that's what I want to be. Yeah. And, and, you know, I look at the people I really admire, the people at, you know, the pinnacle, um, a lot of them fit this category, like Rogan's a perfect example, right? His art, well, his real first art was comedy. Um, his athletics, you know, he was a beast with uh, jujitsu or MMA, whatever. Um, and his business, I don't really know, you know, obviously he's crushed, he has all these companies now, yeah. you know, on it, whatever. Um, you know, and he has a podcast and the way I look at it, it's like, yeah. Then you have, you know, Tim Ferriss, right? He did all these like different jujitsu competitions. Yep. He did his podcast. He had his nootropic business and then startup investing. Hormozy, right? Alex Hormozy, acquisition.com, beast bodybuilder. Yep. And um, his art is, you know, YouTube content, right? Yep. And uh, you, you just start, you like make a list of the people you really admire, right? And if you're listening to this podcast and it's probably, they probably hit all these. And, and what really happens when this really works is you have these three pillars, right? And you take them and you put them into this one thing that can compound like crazy. That's kind of how I look at it. I'm kind of like figuring out this idea. It's like the obsession filter, right? You take the art, you take the athletics and you take the business and you combine it into this one output. So like Rogan, the perfect example is his podcast, right? He's the ultimate example. <clears throat> ultimate example, because he did this for decades, right? Um, his art was like comedy combined into podcasting. I think you're kind of doing that with, with YouTube, I'd say, right? That's your, like your biggest thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. focus. Yeah, and it's like, you know, that's when it becomes insane when you just build this compounding thing around all these and they all support each other, like you said, um, and they don't happen without one another. And yeah, I think it's really, really important. I think like when I look at my life, when there were things missing, it was because one of these pillars wasn't, you know, fulfilled. Yeah. And it's so simple, which is why I like it. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm missing this or yeah. I'm lacking in this. I think that's why people resonate with it. You can you, you can therefore spot the gaps in your own existence yeah. versus the, the person you want to be. And a real key, a key thing for me throughout managing those pillars for the past several years, now that I'm much better equipped to manage my own sort of mental well-being versus a younger version of myself, is not necessarily idolizing anyone else externally, but using the person that you want to be in the future as your hero, Correct. using the person you want to be in the future as the person that you idolize and you look up to and you take a lot from because it can be achieved. And even like, even a year, even a year ago, it, I mean, I'd say two years normally, but even a year ago, the, the, the existence I have now, if you'd said to Fergus for a year ago, this is the existence that you will have, I'd go, <laughs> a good one, not a chance, but it's time and time and time again. Compounding. Yeah, that's it's it. So yeah, fast. yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah, it's like, and because you've been doing how long have you been doing YouTube? Uh, three, three and a bit years. Exactly. And the first, almost four actually, in the first two years yeah. were complete diminishing returns. And now you're gonna feel this way like every year, even more so. Yeah. As long as you keep going, which you will. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that's the empowering thing for anyone listening or anyone that feels like they might not be where they want to be is that just by committing to something intimidating, which can be as simple as a five k. It can be as simple as just putting on that, that thing you've been putting off in the back of your mind, saying yes to that might be the thing that unlocks all of this opportunity that future version of yourself that you should look up to and view as a hero 
can become. And it should be, I think like, I like this, this phrase, like just barely possible. It should be like pretty, like when I signed up for this marathon in Memphis, like I just, I didn't really have any goals. Like I thought I, in the beginning, I thought I'd be like under four hours maybe. And so like when I started to get really ambitious, I was like, all right, this should just barely be possible. It's like, those are the perfect goals, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, not, not stupid, <clears throat> but Correct. well, no, it should be stupid. I a think it should stupid. be a little stupid, stupid. Yeah, but it's it, it's 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 realistic, but within within parameters that are very very intimidating. Yeah, and I think that's why that's why I get so much value from triathlons and ultras and things because the variables at play are completely not up to you, and that's why even more specifically with extreme triathlons versus regular Ironmans and things like that, when you chuck that distance into cold water, jellyfish, eight degrees Celsius. 40 50 mile an hour winds elevation all these things that can go wrong that you cannot do anything about when you're out there that's where it forces you to sort of adapt to the things that you couldn't have prepared for and that's where the the realistic goal setting you're putting yourself in an arena where you're kind of opening yourself up to getting punched in the face a few times but it's the punches in the face that actually make the value out the back end correct and I think the ultra, you will get into ultras. I think this conversation. Yeah, how does that work? Like, because I've been thinking about it. It's like, not that I've been wanting to do one. It's just like everyone wants yeah. to do them after they start with marathons or shorter distance. How does that happen? So it's, I think it's, it's the, the, the question is, what is further like? And that's kind of open-ended because, I mean, if we look at the back, like backyard ultras now, like people aren't far off going for a week in these things at this point, which is running on the hour, every hour. <laughs> continuously and the world records are getting stupider and stupider and stupider and at one point those people will have been running they'll have ran their first 50k they'll have ran their first 100k and now they're asking this question of what on earth is going on and the only reason i'm now not completely intimidated and terrified by the thought of running 250k without any sleep stops or anything planned is because i've experienced that sleep deprivation exposure before but the way I felt about that stuff before I'd done it was, is this even possible? Is this something that I could tolerate? I don't have any concept of how this could be a thing. And I think that curiosity is what will ultimately get you into ultras at some point. And I think you'll probably skip 50K. I think you'll go straight to 100. That's my guess. But it's, it's, it's you take the performance metrics out of it and you open yourself up to... I'd say marathons are more about ruthless execution done well. Ultras are more about ruthless wrestling with your own mind done mm, repeatedly that makes sense and i think the yeah. amount of times you force yourself to sort of ask you you meet yourself along the way and you kind of have to look yourself in the eye and ask am i going to keep going what are the challenges here is this niggle in your ankle that you're complaining about actually something to worry about or you're looking for a way out those questions come and come and come and come and then when you get to the finish line you've gone through so many little iterations of a scrap with your own mind that you're a much better person for it and is that like, because I feel like people get into marathons or running because of the, the ladder for the mind games, but then as they progress, it becomes all about like the tactical, all the little nitty gritty details. Yeah. And yeah. That's why they get pulled back into like ultras to get that feeling back. Is that kind of it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say yeah. so. And, and a huge thing for me, I mean, coming off the back of 500 pound deadlift and sub five minute mile this year, yeah. because it's such black and white, this is the time, this is the way. Every, every decision, everything you do day to day could be a contributing factor to success or failure in that goal. And I think as artist, athlete, entrepreneur narrative being pulled on, there are certain elements of being pulled into things here, pulled into things there where you might not get eight hours sleep. You might be delayed at an airport. You might have all these things that can contribute. And I think the value of black and white metrics is 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 is, is it's huge, but I don't think it should be the only thing. I think the curiosity of how far can I go? 
what is this going to feel like is where ultras are really, really valuable because it forces you to confront a version of yourself that you can't get to unless you're X amount of miles into an ultra. But I do think that balanced against black and white metrics where you know this is the pace I need to set, this is the work I need to do, that is very, very rewarding and self-affirming for you to be able to move things forwards. But for me, a balance of black and white versus more subjective you just need to fight your way through this metrics is very valuable for me personally. So the art and the science, right? Yeah. Basically, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One's objective, one's more subjective. And I think that's the, that is the beauty of it. That's the only reason I think I was, um, I might be <clears throat> able to be a good runner. It's like the art side, like talk, like how I talk to myself on runs, the things I do, because I, from talking to other runners, they're not totally normal. And like, I don't know. So that excites me, the things you're saying. Yeah, there's a curiosity there, which I know will lead you to ultras. But that, that's my main yeah, yeah. my main driver yeah. is curiosity. Like I don't the example I use at the moment is Hyrox. Everybody I know is trying to drag me into Hyrox saying, Oh, you should do this, you, you should, should do be that. A beast. You could take it over. I think I could do quite well. Yeah. I've got all of the components that would make me a good Hyrox athlete, but it doesn't excite me. There's nothing really about it. Yeah. That's it. So I'd only be doing that for ego. I'd only be doing that to prove a point. I'd only be doing that for black and white metrics, which from a business point of view is arguably a good idea. Yeah. But my rule is I train for what I'm curious and excited about. I and, love theref- that. and therefore, if, I'm, if, 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 if it's not exciting for me in the morning, I'm not going to get the value that I get from training day to day unless I'm excited about it. Yeah. So I'm probably going to miss the boat on a good business opportunity, a good internet cloud opportunity but the rule is if it's not curiosity driven and excitement driven i won't do it and i think that's something that'll hold if i hold myself accountable to that that will give me the sustainability in this in this game that i otherwise wouldn't have because if you're just going being pulled from one thing to the next then you lose the obsession with the actual craft itself which for me is self-discovery that 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 is the value of training for me is self-discovery and that's why from a hybrid point of view it's it's so extrapolated because you've got one end of the spectrum versus the next and there's a whole load of lessons along the way in that spectrum that you can turn up certain dials on turn down certain dials on throughout the year and learn different lessons that you can then take into relationships business craft all these things that go with it and uh i do fully view fitness as one of the best mechanisms for that self-discovery which i can tell you're very much aligned with at the moment 100 <laughs> percent, i missed it you know in my life and uh, got it back this year, which is amazing. Yeah, I love the word you use too, like self-discovery and like curiosity. Like that's what it is. Once you start asking yourself this question, you have to pay attention to the questions you can't ignore, right? And you keep asking yourself, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? That's that's what you sh- that's what you should do. And that confidence spills over into other things as well. Like once you keep proving to yourself that you can and can and can and can, it means you'll probably be a little bit more risky in the things that you that could have good outcomes. And I think that's where a lot of people especially the world's pretty chaotic at the moment. Everything's difficult to sort of see objectively. And it means that people taking risks that potentially lead to the life that they want to be living, it's harder to do that. And I think through this process of just commitment and find, yeah, it's it's pulling the thread on something you're passionate about because that could become obsessive mm-hmm. and becoming obsessive. I know it, it is kind of a dirty word, isn't it? it it's is. The old Z's, Z's thing is obsessed as a word that the, the lazy used. Was to, that his big word? I think, yeah, that word a lot? It used to, um, 
he had a when he there was a that pose that pose yeah, that yeah, he did, yeah. and then there were loads of gyms that was obsessed as a word the lazy used to describe the dedicated. Yep. And when I was younger, I thought oh, <laughs> that's so toxic. I love it as I was as I was in my absolute peak peak. Let's get jacked and wear stringer yep. vest era. Yep. But the let's get jacked and wear stringer vest era for me was the gateway drug to all of this yep. because it was you're overweight, you can't play rugby anymore because I'd had too many concussions. Huge part of my life was I got taken away. Concussions. Yeah, yeah, I guess you. I were fucked up. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Maybe that could be it. There was research coming out on yeah. that, but we uh we won't acknowledge that. We yeah, acknowledge yeah, that. sorry. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, too many concussions. Fergus, you can't play rugby anymore. Oh, right. A huge part of my life is taken away. How do I fill this void? And then I just started training as if I was going back to a rugby pitch at some point. And along the way, I accidentally found out that I love this and it was making me better. I was getting leaner, I was more in control of my food, which meant I was more in control of my exam revision. Mm-hmm. I was more structured, my time management was better, I took things more seriously, I looked at things more objectively, I was more selective about when I did and didn't drink, and the downstream benefits of simply deciding I'm gonna get jacked because of some mad Australian on the internet was kind of was kind of the thing. And that obsessed is the word the lazy used to describe the the dedicated. It wasn't something that I sort of it wasn't something I bled, but I did feel genuinely obsessed with what I was doing. And I was completely confident that temptation, sort of ulterior motives, anything like that, I was just completely steadfast. Like I had my mission and nobody was going to get in the way of that. And I actually feel less in control of that now than I did when I was younger because I've gone through so many iterations of, of I've, I've got that proof. So it's almost less exciting to me now. And because I've got the other pillars of inputs, where I get a lot more value from now is when I'm really put up against it from a business setting, when I need to figure things out there, when there's difficult conversations to be had. A lot of that smile on my face at the back end that comes from having achieved what you said you were going to achieve or finding the solution that you said you were going to find is very much akin to the 18-year-old version of me that just got leaner and went to the gym five days a week. And that's why I think the self-discovery is so key because, again, to people that aren't into training, saying fitness can change your life sounds very trivial and saying that be a bit being obsessed with going to the gym five days a week with your headphones in can be life-changing sounds silly to people that don't get it but i think positive obsession can be life-changing and the reason is people fear it is because they haven't yet found what they're obsessed with in the day-to-day and that does come from passion but it's it's doing the work to find the thread to pull on from a passion point of view, and that's that's the hard bit. That's the that's the bit that isn't as easily presented in the modern world, I don't think. Well, because there's no answer. Yeah, there's no answer. The only answer is to create a lot, create and do a lot of stuff. That is the only answer that, like like Paul Graham has this quote I bring up all the time. It's like if you don't know what you're meant to do, you have to just um, always produce, whether that's in sport, whether that's in art. And if you always produce, you, you'll find your passion like you know a, a rock going downstream. I, I love that analogy because it's the only way because no one can tell you it. And and the other problem, which I've been thinking about lately, is that if you are like an intense and curious person, which which you seem like, I, I think I'm like that, <clears throat> you'll probably be good at a lot of things because just most people don't have those traits, right? So let's say you pick up, I don't know, fencing. Probably be sick compared to the average if you get really into it. Let's say you're forced to do fencing, right? Probably be great. But you could have been so insane at this other thing that you really loved. And so I think that's the another trap is like not getting pulled into these things you could be really good at just because you're a really good person, um, have a really good, you know, mentality. But finding the thing you're you alone are, are actually meant to do. And it takes many people many years or many decades. Um, I still don't think I've found all of mine, you know. Um always a yeah. student. Always is the way a student. that I like to look at things. Cause yeah, I, I don't want to ever fall into the trap of thinking that 
I f- like even though I'm right the right now the version of myself I feel like I'm in control of it I don't ever want to be arrogant or hubristic enough to feel like I figured it out the the other trap that I've gone into is like you you have these idols right People, I'm sure you have had athletes you idolize like like Ziz back in the day maybe <laughs> or maybe not even idolize but just really look up to respect yeah. respect and then you're gonna want to copy their obsession and and that's I've done that all the time where like I think I'm meant to do this but but almost always I think that's not true. Almost always it's it's there's some through line or there's something they're doing that you need to apply to your thing, right? Um and so it's like that that is a trap too that I've gone. It, it, that's why comparison is is just not the way to go. It yeah. is you should look at you should look at the traits that the people you look up to are consistently executing. Mm-hmm and try and apply that to your own existence rather than just thinking this is what they do therefore that is what i should do it's the it's the behavior patterns and the mechanisms rather than the things themselves that are important i think that's where social media can dilute that reality for people because there's so much just presentation of other people's lives it's hard to actually read the writing on the wall for your own and that's why i think curating what you consume on social media is important first and foremost but i think also why the only way you can find these answers is through discovery and pretty much everything that's happened to me in the past five years has been through curiously committing to something and accidentally stuff has happened along the way and i'm just going to keep backing that for as long as it lasts and that's that's fun that's what's really rewarding as well is it's moving things forwards and the, the the rock going down the river analogy feels really spot on for it because I'm just just tumbling just down this river, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah having a, having a good time, but getting bashed about every once in a while yeah. by by the elements. It seems it seems very fitting. But I think yeah, curiosity leads to self discovery, and that's that really ties into a concept that with with Omni Performance, our coaching business, we we really buy into what we call the wintering, which is using winter as an opportunity to to embrace the elements, embrace the darkness, I love that. embrace the misery that comes with the time of year where it's easier to just drink a little bit more, get up a little bit later, go to bed a little, a little bit later, let bad habits seep in, justify things because of the festive period, this, that, and the other, even though we know some of these things aren't good for us. I'm not, I'm not saying that this time of year for everybody looks the same way at all, but rather that we all feel the squeeze when winter rolls around and it's very easy to sort of sit back and be squeezed. So we use this as an opportunity to, I mean, practically speaking, we use it to build our aerobic base, do training that we don't ordinarily do throughout most of the year because training for a triathlon over the winter is shit. Mm. It will ruin your love for triathlon because you are doing everything indoors for a sport that is designed to be outdoors. So using that opportunity as a way to base build as an individual rather than just athletically for a more positive spring, summer, et cetera, how do you set up the systems and structures to thrive within the winter is the question that we ask ourselves and one that every year I have found to be very rewarding. But every year, every time the weather starts to turn and I have to start looking at where my big jackets are and where this is and where that is, I feel the squeeze myself. So it's setting up the systems and the structures for success within the winter means that you'll be rock solid when the external factors of just mood, daylight all of the things that can have a huge influence on us day to day are more favorable so your version of the dark place your version of obsession how does that tie in with that concept the wintering the wintering is a great concept um i love that phrase uh you know it's i kind of call it the obsession arc 
and I'm kind of I'm playing around with like these two ideas. One is like the obsession arc. One is the obsession year. I, I might try to do this like an actual thing next year where you know people can kind of submit what they want to do with their, for their obsession year. And what that is is basically if you do something every day for a year, you will completely change your life, right? No one really does that though. Um, like I think if you write every day for a year online, you'll change your life. You'll build an audience of some size. If you train for something every day for a year, running, marathon, whatever, um, you'll completely change your life. That's kind of what that looks like. It, it's different. It's different. But um, I mean, I would call kind of the wintering. Is like, it's kind of like the dark place, basically. It's like the dark season. But it, it's also actually not. It is kind of similar to it's less similar to the obsession year and more similar to the the obsession arc, which is this new thing where I tweeted a little and shared on Instagram a little while ago that if you want to change your life, what you should do is shave your head. You see this? You should shave your head and sign up for something extreme, whether that's a marathon or a triathlon or whatever. And it resonated with a bunch of people. So I'll admit, I read that and I thought, oh, interesting. That is going to piss a lot of people off. And then I actually read the way that you qualified the head shaving and i thought that makes a lot of sense yeah which is that every time that you look at yourself in the mirror you won't recognize the person you're looking at versus Correct. the person you were before you made the decision to commit to something new because so it's, it's an environment change because you have change. that you have that and you have the athletic change so like i did this three months ago it's the best thing i ever did and it it was amazing um or two months ago even and um because you're getting like i was losing a ton of weight i'm like looking in the mirror have the shaved head and and I'm literally someone new every single day, you know, it's like incredible. And so what's beautiful about this, it's very similar to the wintering because it's like, this isn't forever. Your hair is going to grow back, right? You don't have to keep a shave forever unless you're a psychopath, which is fine too. But like, I look like a pure psychopath when I shaved it. Now it's like, actually saves, love saves on shampoo costs, however. Saves so. on shampoo. <clears throat> so yeah, you don't have to worry about it. I love my haircut now. I never had my hair this short. Like you're it's kind of similar to your hair. Like it's I, I I actually I got a, like I loved the convenience of having so a shaved, shaved head during COVID. Oh, I was yeah. actually quite sad to I was yeah. it made me sad that our oh, hairdressers are open again now and yeah. I have a reason to look better because I do, I do look better with with a full head of hair yeah, even yeah. though it's trying its best to to, to leave me behind. <laughs> but it's uh yeah I fully get the concept of it's just it simplifies things as well. Dude, I got like twenty DMs. People shave their head. <laughs> I swear. And have you have you heard back from them since? People have been like, you know what, week one, week two, everything everything's going well. I don't know. Control. I should check in with them. I'm yeah. gonna make like a chat or something. For yeah, all the, the the shaved head squadron. Some of them had really nice hair too. I kind of felt bad. I'm like, oh, because the other part about it is the first two weeks you, you genuinely look like a psychopath a little bit. Yeah. So it's like you know you care less about girls, you care less about everything else. You're just like it's you and your obsession, and that's it. And when, sometimes when, you need it. When do you think when do you think obsession can cross into a negative space? Because there are people that will have gone down the wrong path with obsessive qualities. And I think it's important to reference that positive obsession is positive, but bl blindly yeah. and stubbornly following a path that is negative through obsession yeah. can have downstream obviously yeah, negative consequences. So when when do you think that that turning point is? Do you think it's circumstantial? Do you think it's dependent on the individual? What are the things to look out for to make sure that your obsession is a healthy one? Yeah, there's, there's two. The first is more like early on. It's like you want to obsess over something that has to do with creation, like an output versus an input. Yeah. Right. It's like obsessed with drugs or alcohol. That's purely selfish. It's just for you. Um, you could argue if it's for art, it's different. But regardless, it's you're obsessed with, you know, something for you. Netflix, purely selfish versus creation. It's it's art or it's YouTube or it's fitness It's running. It's something outside of yourself. Yeah. That, that's usually a healthy obsession. But then even that can go too far where it's yeah, I think it comes down to relationships. You know, it's like you have to find where you find joy and some people will find joy working, you know, nonstop on their thing 24 seven. 
And then if it hurts your relationships, you just have to decide what you care more about. Do you care more about your obsession or the relationships? I think I think the right relationships will support your obsession and will not will not tell you to be unobsessed. And if you are going too far, they'll tell you. They'll tell you that you're hurting them. And they'll and then you, you know, you have to make that choice, which most people will care about the relationships because because you know, that lets you do your thing. That lets you keep going. It's hard to do it alone. Um, and it's probably not worth it to do it alone, right? But but that's where people, you know, they the obsessed artist is like a trope, right? Where it's like these people just become all consumed by their thing and then erupt and and they, you know, often they die young and it's like you have to watch out for that. I think the relationships are like the sign that you're going too far when people will tell you. Because those are the people who usually support you and, and they'll tell you when it's not healthy. Because um, that's really all that matters is relationships, I think. Agreed. I think input, in, inputs via outputs is a great way of measuring it. Very, very simple. But I think the... Do you think there's a risk of people becoming insular and compromising that or not, and not seeing the value of their relationships through committing to something that their friends or family might not understand? Because... If you're obsessed amongst those that aren't, then it's easy to feel that that's a fountain, fountain not drain sort of analogy. Is are these people fueling my obsession, or mm -hmm. are they in the way of it? So how 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 can people make sure that they don't just isolate themselves in pursuit of their goals? and therefore compromise on the relationships, which we both agree are, are so valuable to keep you accountable to yourself long-term. Yeah, it's hard. I think it's hard because obsession can feel like a love affair. It can feel like this is like the thing you're in love with, right? So you're gonna choose it over everything else. And and the, that can like blind you, like you're saying, um, make you do things you wouldn't otherwise. So I don't. I honestly don't know if I have an answer. Like I'm still figuring it out, I think. I think though it's obsession though, isn't something you should be, when I talk about it, it's not, I talk about it like a million ways, right? I use it like a noun, a verb, an adjective. It's not something you should be 24 seven. You have to go through periods of obsession, whether that's a few months or whether that's a few hours a day, then you come out and you know you have dinner yeah. with your, your girlfriend, your wife, whatever. Um, that's what it needs to be looked at. Like I, I talk about it kind of like the obsessed self. It's like my alter ego, right? Like I do these AI pictures and like, that's literally like me. Like that's what I want to be. And, and, but I'm not always them. And, like in person, I'm much more like, I don't know, fun and like happy versus like my writing, you could get a different sense sometimes. And so that's how I view it. It's like go in and come out of that obsession. That's what you should be doing. You know. So it shouldn't it shouldn't be all consuming because no. it, it should be a it should be something you're in control with, not letting control you. I think the the big error I've made in the past with my obsession and the one that actually caused me the biggest issue with my own depression when I was younger was I let the plan control me rather than I the plan. Mm. And by that, I mean that I'd mapped out my life five years in the future. And therefore, any decision that I was making or day that I was spending that wasn't in pursuit of that future was a day that was failed. But the plan that I created was hypothe hypothesized within a different set of circumstances. And the circumstances and environment changed, but I didn't change the plan. So I was then at the mercy of my own obsession completely stubbornly holding myself accountable to it even though the plan was no longer it didn't it didn't have the utility that it was designed for and that ultimately led me down a path of just punishing myself psychologically over and over again feeling that I was a failure feeling that I couldn't do anything right and that I wasn't holding myself accountable to the goals I'd set so the key thing for me now is that essentially I will still map out the future I will still hold myself accountable to the goals that I set but I need to 
constantly reassess and reevaluate the circumstances in which I'm operating and look at things objectively because things will change that are out with your control. And actually the, the, the sort of mark of control as an individual is being able to look at those things and therefore navigate through them by controlling the plan rather than letting the plan control you. Because it's saying, I am going to commit to a marathon in six months' time. If you get hit by a bus the following day, and then you spend the next three months in a hospital bed punching yourself that you can't train for a marathon because you said you were going to, that's not a healthy relationship. There are people who still goal. do it too. Yeah. There are people who were like, screw it, I'm getting to the race. <laughs> that, that, that's what's crazy as well, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's really important to just, just adapt. Adapt your obsession to the environment and like that'll make said. it more sustainable. Yeah, I like what you said. Like, don't be the be the puppet master. Don't be like pulled by the strings. Correct. Yeah. And Correct. I'm, I'm gonna write about that. That's good because it's like I look forward <laughs> to reading that because you'll articulate again. That's that's a much better analogy than than my thing. So no, I look no, forward to reading that. It's true though. Yeah, that's really. I haven't th thought of it that way, but it's true. That's how it could feel when you're obsessed. It's like someone is pulling you. Yeah. Right. And if you, that's a good thing in the beginning, but you just can't let it go too far. You can't let it. Completely, yeah. but it's, it's not yeah. control. It's it's knowing what lens to look at yourself through to make sure that you can see when things are going to go through too far. That, that, that's the goal. That's the question. I'm about to go through this. I feel like with the running, and like I feel like running is like not even just marathon, but like all ultras, like what you're doing. It's like a, it can be a super all-consuming and like almost dangerous sport by how hard you push yourself, right? So it's like I'm excited to like feel all those things and and deal with all that. It's embracing the fear of the goals is the value if it scares you yeah good that, yeah. that it should if your goals aren't scary then you need to think a little bit bigger what would, you, what would your advice be for me with running <laughs> marathons in february yeah yeah and i just want to go like all year i just want to do marathons as many as i can all year and go as fast as i can i think have a specific plan to train for this marathon in February for make it, make it as data driven as possible so that you know exactly what your race is going to look like on the day. So you know what pace you're setting off at, you know what your minute mile splits are going to be the whole way through, you know, the elevation profile where it, if you go from a 645 minute mile to a seven minute mile on that mile where there's 63 meters of elevation, you're not then thinking, fuck, I fucked it up, everything's yeah. falling apart. And you know exactly ruthlessly what the plan is on the day. Because if you then go in and execute that to the best of your ability, you will feel like you are totally in control, which then means that at the back end of that, February, you can then reassess on the environment, like I was just saying, to see the, who am I now, having finished this marathon, yeah. having ruthlessly executed the plan that I've set myself, yeah. what does this person now want to do next? Because even you saying now, I want to do marathons all year, every Changes. year. That will change. This is, I'm going through like a typical journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And yeah. I think who you are when you finish that marathon will be different to who you are now. It'll be different to who you are when you are at the start line of that marathon. Yeah. So it's then a case of, being honest with yourself on what makes you curious and excited next. And if that's 50K, if that's 100K, if that is just marathons over and over again, that's not a bad thing at all. It, but it might you might start getting pulled towards something else because there's a question about yourself that you want to ask and you want to find the answer to. And that's the journey that I've been on. And the beauty is I get a lot more, I find a lot more questions that need answered and I get a lot more answers to them by training across such a wide range of disciplines. Mm. And I do think that speaking speaking objectively, given the way that you view the world from what I've gathered, 
you might limit the lessons that you can learn by just focusing on one distance and one race. That makes sense. So ask yourself the question in February, who am I now? What do I want to become? What does the future look like? And go from there rather than thinking too far ahead in the future. It's good advice. It's really good advice. So back to you. For those listening that aren't where they want to be in life, what are the things that they can do from tomorrow onwards to help them find their obsession? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try to make this more public soon, but it's the obsession year. It's like pick something to create every day for a year, right? I think that is, it doesn't even have to be what you stay doing, but but usually just like look back to what you were doing as a kid. And usually your obsession is obvious. Like you can probably have memories when you were a kid. Usually they're very vivid and it's hard to remember them, but they're like signs of what you're doing now, right? In terms of the art, in terms of the athletics, in terms of <clears throat> like for me, I'm curious if you have any, I was always just super intense. That was like the word. Right. Like when I was a kid, I was running in the shit in soccer. I was never like the best foot, you know, with my feet, but I was always freaking intense. I would stick tackles. I would sprint up the field, you know? Yeah. And like, I feel like that's how I'm approaching the running. It's just like, um, I just want to push through pain as hard as I can and push through, you know, friction. Um, and so it's like, look back, look at what's obvious, look at what you're already honestly doing. There's usually some type of like art you're either, you either, I, I like the word love affair. Like uh, some people will love podcasts, right? They'll, they'll never listen on, they'll never speed them up. They'll listen slowly. They'll, they'll appreciate every aspect of it. So it's like, what mediums do you have a love affair, love affair with? And just how can you commit to creating it every day? Or, you know, if it's a big thing, like a few times a week, um, that'd be my challenge. That's how you really find your obsession, in my opinion. It's, it's just output. And, you know, honestly, I haven't thought much about this, but you could apply that maybe to just like whichever pillar you like of the artist, the entrepreneur, the athlete, pick one and create something every day. And, and that's how I think you really, really become obsessed and have faith that that will compound over time and that yeah. you don't need to address every pillar of your life all at once because that's yeah. a mistake i've made in the past yeah start start small start simple and build and i've been thinking more and more about like which pillars should come first it's like should one come before the other and uh you know i don't know maybe i think a lot of ways like i'm kind of following like the artist athlete entrepreneur in order you know okay yeah. and like like I have entrepreneurial stuff I do, but I don't really have like my big business, right? And it's like, I want to, but it's like, I feel like that big business will only be right if I do the art first and the athletics first. And maybe that's just me, but but it will only be like the thing only I can can create, which is the goal, right? To yeah. create, create. That's why like you saying you wanted, to, you thought about doing high rocks, like I don't think that's the right thing at all. It's like, you clearly aren't that interested in it. You're now, when I look at you as an athlete, you I put you in your own thing. You're in your own group, which... Honestly, for athletes, is pretty rare. There are so many freaking athletes like on Instagram, YouTube, and they're all kind of doing the same stuff. Yep. You know? So, yeah. That's There's no answer. right answer, and that's the beauty of it, yeah. which I think is... Uh... But the goal is to like put out... This is my philosophy, really simply. Put out so much stuff. Do your thing so much like you've done. You did so many different competitions, so much training, and then you found this unique thing that you came up with, this own game for you to play, right? Right? Yep, yep. And... and I did the same thing with, with the writing. It's like, I just was posting every single day. You go back to my old content, it is like stupid. It's like so dumb. It's like little infographics that, or it's just like the first year I barely wrote my own writing. I was doing just quotes because I didn't know how to write. Yep. But it's like, you do that. And then one day I just start writing about obsession and people love it. And now I basically found my idea forever. Maybe that changes, but I don't, I don't think it will for a long time. I've been talking about it for like two years. You know, you, you find, I found running, like you, you find these things and you, it's very rare for them to fall on your lap. You kind of have to go out there and just make a lot of stuff, 
compound around something and just wait for these things to fall in your lap, right? Like to put it more tactically, like last year, my stuff blew up because I took my writing, had a few hundred thousand followers and made these little videos, right? I only did that because I, I got inspired by someone I met at lunch. And I only met that person at lunch because I'd been making content for years and it compounded. Um, and the same with running. Like I, I got a friend was doing this marathon and I signed up. Yeah, I wouldn't have met that friend if I wasn't doing my thing and compounding. And so that'd be my challenge is like start the compounding around something. Right? Simple. Yeah, simple. simple. And it's like tactical. Go and do it today. It's like that's it. Yeah. That's it. Well, yeah. Zach, thank you very much. That's been enlightening and lots of things to think on yeah. and lots of similarities. Lots of things we're very aligned on. Definitely. And I think a lot of things that people will uh reflect on in their own lives. So thanks again. Thank you.